Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. Well, another week. The big, the big exciting thing happening right now, honestly, is it's recruiting season. Wait, wait. I'm going to stop you there. Because in a very rare situation, I may have breaking news on Twitter before you. What is it? Jeff Rabjohns, this is a, a, a quoting the tweet, per a number of sources, comma, Indiana's Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson are expected to receive six-figure NIL deals. Yes, that is not breaking news. That was out yesterday. Well, yep, that's right. It's his April 7th. <laughs> Somebody just texted it to me. And look, look. This isn't airing for a few days, so there'll probably be a lot of details we don't know yet that we can't talk about. So when people are listening to this, it'll be totally irrelevant. You're welcome. I mean, <laughs> the best. I thought you were about to like report a commitment. Somebody announced that they were staying. But no, <laughs> you're giving us day old news. <laughs> hey, to be fair, it's brand new to me. <laughs> yes there was an announcement that the cook financed hoosiers for good nil collective made deals with 14 hoosier athletes totaling four hundred and seventy thousand uh, dollars. my understanding is that is largely financed by cook as of now and that trace and race the word is that they both got six-figure deals that's awesome it also it, we love it it's huge mm -hmm. and Congrats to Race and Trace and all the athletes who got it. But it does not mean they're coming back. And they made that very clear. Uh, the, the, the Hoosiers for Good Foundation or, or the, the collective, Rabbi made it clear. They, Trace could go enter his name into the NBA draft and take the money and leave. That's just what, that's what this world is because you cannot use it as an inducement to stay. And you can't make it contingent on them staying. That said... All these deals are good for NIL and Indiana because we can communicate it to recruits. Look what happens if you come to Indiana and prove yourself. Yeah. I mean, like you might even be able to pitch, uh, 
not that you pitch this to recruit, but recruits here. Oh, Trace Jackson Davis got a six figure thank you on his way out the door. Yeah, because that's be. how much people love Indiana University basketball players in this state. Like that, you know, obviously we want them to come back for for what's going to happen on the basketball court next year. But as far as this whole idea of of letting the top players in the country know that they will find opportunities here, I, I don't think that that really loses much impact on that. I, I agree. And look, our collective continues to roll along. We are primarily focused on basketball. We're not going to be making soccer and volleyball deals. And I'm happy for that collective to do that. That's their mission statement. That's not ours. We are primarily focused on basketball. We'll take opportunities where they come for other sports. Like we've done some stuff with women's basketball. We've done a couple things for football. But in large part, those deals that we make were either people earmarked their money. They wanted it to go to those places or doing those things allowed us to get money for IU men's basketball. So if you want to give to our collective, which we would greatly appreciate PayPal, Hoosier hysterics at gmail.com Hoosier hysterics at gmail.com Zell 818-653-3851 Zell 818-653-3851. And you know who has given and supported our Hoosier hysterics collective in a big way. Yep. The same people that we are powered by. Communitycars.com Sponsor of the pod Hoosier Hysterics Communitycars.com Illusion Legends Talk with Warren Eric I love it. I love it. It just makes me feel good. Communitycars.com Our title sponsor on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast run by the Martin family, Evan Martin and his dad, who've been, run, been running this business in Bloomington for a long time. Get you a car any way you want it. You know, name the ways, Ward. Um, I would like to just go in there and, and look at the car and test drive it and have somebody knowledgeable and friendly tell me about it. Check. Okay, okay. What if I am a recluse and I'm agoraphobic and I just want the car delivered to my house, no questions asked? Well, they're going to probably ask a couple questions. <laughs> <laughs> like like my credit card number. Yeah, like your credit score. Um, but but yes, you can be a recluse and either talk to them. And if you don't want to talk to them because you, you hate talking to people, go online. Do the typey-typey on the Google box, communitycars.com. Get a car that you want. We've heard from other people that they have taken us up on this offer and they're calling community cars to get their cars and get them delivered to them in different parts of the country. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's great. It's great. And if you if you do contact community cars because you heard us talking about it, tell them that way they keep sponsoring us. They, yes, we, we want them to think there's actually a benefit in this for them. <laughs> yeah, not just them being nice. Uh Look, man, we're in recruiting season. That's where we are right now in college basketball. This la when this podcast airs, we will have just finished the first recruiting season, first recruiting weekend of the season. It's really exciting. There's a lot happening for Indiana still in 2022. And the name at the top of the list is Malik Renu, who plays for Mount Verde with Jalen Hood Shafino. They won the national championship this year, and they're both playing in the Jordan Brand Classic. Malik had committed to Florida. The coach of Florida left. His recruitment is open. We seem to be in pretty good shape there. Uh, it's exciting. He's a high-level talent, and we need a talent upgrade. We really do. Uh, you you were kind of our in-house IU in Philly during yeah. the course of the tournament, letting me and the goons know just exactly the kind of 
caliber of talent, these best programs in the Final Four. And look, it's never been more painfully obvious we are no longer in the club. We haven't been in the club for a long time. Uh, but when you see the entire club in the Final Four, you know, with the, like, you know, whatever, Kentucky, it was a glorious upset, but you basically had all the others uh, that have been on top and are at the top right now all in there together, and they have twice, at least double the high-end talent we do. As far as five stars and four stars go, it's at least a two-to-one ratio with us and those other programs. So we need to, hey, do our part <clears throat> NIL Hoosier Hysterics Collective to like upgrade the talent. It's going, it's going to, uh, we can't say, Hey, look, we won the, our first four in game. You know, we right. made it to the round of 64. It's like, we need to do even more than those other programs to catch up to them. I, I agree. And it's, it's even more so now because of the transfer portal, because now it's getting the high-end talent as recruits where there is a, a fairly big risk there because a lot of them don't pan out, you know, because who knows? High school competition is different than college. But then you get guys that have been playing for one, two, three, sometimes four years who there's no guesswork on. And those guys may not have been top recruits, but now they clearly are. And those top schools that are getting the top recruits are also getting those guys. Yep. So. It, it requires a talent infusion, and getting Malik Renew would be a huge step in that direction. Not to mention, you get Tamar Bates from IMG one year. You get Jalen Huchifino and Malik Renew from Mount Verde the next year. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you have a pipeline from two of the best 10 programs in the country that are, pop, that are pumping out NBA talent. Every year. So, every year. So this is... This is a crucial recruitment for Indiana. It is absolutely crucial. It's a crucial time. Uh, but this is the fun time of the year to be on pigs.com too, because Rab Johns is just a pig in shit right now. <laughs> right? I mean, he's going Milwaukee, Orlando, Indy, Fort Wayne. Like, he gets to go to all these places, and this guy shot 7 of 14 from the field, and his form looks great. He's 6'4 in shoes. I sat next to him. I know. Like, this but is the fun. Yeah, but it's so funny because you doing your Rabby impression, it falls so short <laughs> because Rabby, he he just has a way of describing recruits and their game and what they look like on the floor. In growth plates. <laughs> sure, growth plates. What It's where I read Rabby's, it could either be like a casual like tweet where he's observing something or it's in an in-depth story when he's, you know, gone on the road and scouted some talent where he just has a way of uh, a way with words. And that helped me feel like not only do I get a, a better feel of who these recruits are and what their potential is and how they might fit with what's going on in Bloomington. I just feel like I'm learning about the game of basketball and, uh, you know, Rabby and our good friends at Peegs just do a, such a wonderful job job of of giving us real basketball to chew on even when it's no longer college basketball season hot dog or hamburger hamburger ice cream or cookie buddy that is rough i want them together nope nope can what's I your favorite cookie can i have milk with my cookie no fuck um look 
then probably <laughs> it's going to be Ben and Jerry's ice cream. But I want to talk about, I'm glad you brought up cookies. I think this is important. I don't know how it was in St. Louis, but growing up in Indiana, coming out of Fort Wayne were Archway cookies. Did you have Archway cookies? No. Okay. Kind of a big deal, um, at least growing up in northern Indiana. I'm assuming they made it down south, too. But I'd been looking for Archway for quite some time. Not available out here. Found them on Amazon recently. Wow. So I just ordered about $70 worth of Archway cookies. They showed up at my house. You got lemon. You got oatmeal raisin. I like that. And you have molasses. Now, so far, I've just had the lemon and the oatmeal raisin. The lemon is like 90% of what I remember from my childhood. It's shaped a little differently now. The icing isn't put on the same way, but a very like cakey cookie. So real close. Um, and this oatmeal raisin, I remember you saying you love an oatmeal raisin. Yeah. So I'm going to get you some Archway oatmeal raisin because it is divine. Is it? A hundred percent of what you remember as a kid, or do you not remember the oatmeal raisin? As a I kid? don't remember the oatmeal raisin as distinctly. There's this other one I'm looking for, and I think they do have it, but it was only like a gross. It was going to be like fifty dollars worth of these. But Ward, are these like store bought cookies? Yes. Okay. So are they chewy or are they crispy? Chewy. How big? Mm, like mid mid size cookie. Okay, I love a cookie. By the way, is Archway a new sponsor for us? I mean, like, let's get it going because all they would have to just pay me in product. Just pay us in cookies. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Uh, brownie or cookie? Cookie. Uh, spaghetti or pa- uh, pasta or pizza? Pizza. Pizza or hamburger? Pizza. Pizza or sandwich? Pizza. Is pizza your favorite food in the world? I mean, y- yeah. Like, I, I mean, w- would I go for a filet before a pizza? Sure. But like on just like everyday food, pizza is the best. Yeah. Yeah. Spaghetti is. or macaroni and cheese? Spaghetti. Spaghetti I mean, or fetti- spaghetti and meatballs, fettuccine Alfredo? Spaghetti and meatballs. Hey, remind me, what's that... Uh, What's the pasta I saw you making the other day at your house with the, I got that cheese. Cacio pepe. Cacio pepe. So I got the cheese. What's yeah. the cheese called? The Pecorino. Pecorino. Pecorino Romano. Okay. And then just, you said salt and pepper and that's it? Yeah. Not even a lot of salt. Really not much salt at all because the cheese is so salty. Okay. But I'm a little bit, but, but pepper, black pepper. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm going to make that. There you go. Well, I know this is what you guys tuned in for. Um, so, look, man, we, we're we really fortunate that we got to talk to Jordan Geronimo a couple weeks ago. And with the season ending, it's always fun to talk to current players. And we love this kid. We've known him for a couple of years now. Uh, IU fans have known him for more than that because his name has been bandied about because of where he's from. And uh, he and his family are part of IU in a way that very few people are. So with that said, let's get to it. Here comes our guest. Here comes our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have a very special guest here today. This young man has done something with his framing that no guest has done before. So if you're not watching this, try to be. In the meantime, Eric, tell them who we have here today and then possibly describe what we're seeing behind him. Yes, for sure. Well, the first thing we will say is what we see behind him, if you are just listening to this, 
is perfectly framed underneath Indiana basketball national champions. I assume that he is in Cook Hall right now. Is that correct? Uh, assembly Hall. But assembly yeah. Hall. Okay, you're in Assembly Hall with this beautiful sign, perfectly framed. It's where you belong. And look, all you need to say in the intro for this guy is we're talking to Mr. Basketball, <laughs> right? Like, you, once you're Mr. Basketball, you're Mr. Basketball forever. So we are talking to 2020 Mr. Basketball, one of our favorite people who we've gotten to meet over the years, someone who actually the first time I ever, ever interviewed him might have been a recruiting violation. <laughs> <laughs> Please welcome Mr. Basketball, Anthony Leal. Welcome, sir. How are you this fine day? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. All right. What's going on in your life right now? Walk us through a normal day in the life of Anthony Leal. Here we are in April 2022. What's it like? Uh, well, wake up, breakfast, either, depending on what our schedule, I'll either lift or do some type of shooting workout in the morning and then head to class through the morning to the early afternoon, come back, work out, eat again. I'm a... Uh, I'm working on getting my real estate license right now, so I, I'm taking that. I do that kind of on the side a couple hours every day. Uh, spend some time with friends when it's nice. Go outside. Right, time out. Is, time is, out. is it Coach Woodson who's teaching you how to get your real estate license? Because we know he's involved. No, no, he, he actually isn't. But we do joke a lot about uh, being competitors one day because he, he does own a lot of real estate, and I, I keep telling him that I'm I'm coming for his places. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's. I want to back up and hit some details in just that first part of the day. Wake up. What time are you waking up? Uh, it really depends. We, the earliest I woke up last week was 5 30, but it's also, I, I sometimes I'll sleep in until like 8, 7 30. Okay. Oh, sleeping in is 8. When I was in college, sleeping in was 1 p.m. <laughs> have you ever done that in your college experience? Have you ever slept in until 1 p.m.? Uh, the only time I could really think that I did that was uh, the first night in Portland, but we also didn't go to sleep till like. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll but get to that. Honestly, no. Like, oh, 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 boy! Is oh. that is that them telling you it's time to get out? No, the lights just flickered. No, but uh, yeah. No, honestly, no. My body, it, it's weird. I can't really sleep in. I just kind of wake up automatically. So. All right, and breakfast. What is breakfast? And don't uh, tell me simple truth. We don't need that right now. <laughs> no, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I go over to uh, the Tobias Nutrition Center at the football stadium. So they'll have a different type of buffet every morning that, that I go and eat at. So pretty okay, good. Okay. So let's say it's time for, for shooting practice, some shooting drills. What does Anthony Leal, sharpshooter, do to improve his sharpshooting? Uh, I always start in close to the basket, work on the form stuff, make sure that my form is feeling good. And then I, I start with 50 free throws and then I'll go mid range shots, three point shots, shoot 50 more free throws, work on some finishing at the rim, that type of stuff, so do some ball handling, nothing crazy, but just some things that I try to get in every day to make sure that I'm, I'm staying on top of my skills. When you shoot those 50 free throws, what do you need to make for you to be happy? All of them would be ideal, but I mean, realistically, 45 to 50, I try to try to stay 
when, when there's no pressure or anything on the line, I try to stay roughly around there between Got 80 percent. Same, same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a Nerf basket. <laughs> um, all right. So, so then you go through your day. You're obviously in classes too, and then you somehow real estate license. So, where did this come from? When did this start? And I think you said the end goal is you're coming after Coach Woody's properties, but like what what was the inspiration for this oh man they they are did, they, did not pay the electric bill <laughs> Is that what's going on for those of you who are not watching this the lights just keep flickering on and off which by the way wouldn't surprise me we know they don't pay a good wi-fi bill at assembly mm-hmm. hall so they probably have some cheap there's like three former purdue dropouts on hamster wheels in the basement just spinning <laughs> To keep the electricity rolling. All right. So tell us, talk to us about real estate, where that came from. Uh, so it kind of started my freshman year during COVID. Uh, uh, after practices, I had the opportunity to kind of basically intern under a family friend where I, I would leave practice and go work on like rehabbing a property. So I, I basically remodeled an entire apartment to just to get some experience. So that's kind of where it started. But now as I try to take steps forward and forward I'm, I'm working on getting my real estate license was just just an online course in, in indiana which is nothing crazy but yeah so it's just the next step is this something that like do you want let's talk about the the refurbishing of the apartment were you doing the manual labor yeah do you know how to like drywall hang drywall uh yeah we we hung uh some drywall yeah Tore up some carpets. Demo De- is the best. Basically everything. Yeah. Demo demo is the most fun. Yeah, until you have to clean it up. But it, <laughs> yeah. the actual demolition, for sure, it, it was fun, for sure. So, quick side story. The best job I ever had in my life was the summer after, I think, my sophomore year at Indiana. And a buddy had a line on a construction game. And he's like, you want to come do this with me? We're going to work demo crew. I'm like, yes, let's do that. So I showed up to this huge restaurant in St. Louis and they were like, we're just going to gut the entire place. And so they handed me a sledgehammer and they said, that room is yours. Take out all the drywall. But they said, uh, be careful. Don't hit the gas line. Like, don't hit the gas line. So now keep in mind, I'm a Jewish kid from St. Louis, Missouri. I don't know the difference between a gas line and a trapeze line. Like I have no idea. So I start taking the wall down and I see a pipe and I'm like, all right, stay away from that thing. And I just destroy everything else. And then I go to the foreman and I go, huh? Not bad. Right. And he comes back and he goes, what do you do? Like, what about this over here that you just destroyed? You destroyed the gas line. And I go, no, no, right here. He goes, you, he said to me, what are you, some kind of moron? That's, <laughs> that's water. I go, well, how am I supposed to know? I just tore out the gas line, just totally. Probably created some kind of like natural disaster over there. No. But anyway, all right. So, but the ultimate ambition for you, you want to, do you think like as a vocation after basketball is over that you could get into the real estate business, buying and selling properties? I don't, I don't think I could see myself doing it full-time at this point, maybe, but I definitely want to do it on the side for sure. This kid. 
So it it could end up being something that's full-time, but I would prefer to just be like a passive income type of thing. Okay. So as you are making your way through the spring here, what kind of interaction are, are you having with the coaches? Are you there yet? Or is that not started? When do you start working with them a little bit um, in the spring sessions? Yeah, we, we started just this last week. We're, we're limited to like a certain number of hours every week, but we just started this, this week, this week, actually. So it's been good, but that's just like in terms of on court stuff, but like we, we talk almost every day just around the facility, that type of stuff. So for yeah. on court stuff, what kind of, you know, specifically, what are they having you work on individually and how about the team as a whole? Mm-hmm. Well, right now we're just in small group type of deals, just working on skills and, and, uh, and fundamentals and stuff like that. So yeah, it, it's, it's pretty basic right now, but we're also just getting started. So it, things will start to ramp up for sure. As you go into this spring and summer, do you look at yourself and say, okay, this is like my top priority that I want to get better at. Like this is a weakness that I have or some, or some deficiency that I want to flip into a strength. Obviously we know you're working on your shooting continuously. That's a strength of yours, but is there some other part of your game that you really want to hone in on this off season? I mean, I want to become more solid with the ball, but also I know my play style and it's not to go out there and do a bunch of moves and that type of stuff, but I want to be efficient with the ball, but also honestly, the biggest thing is just, just mastering my men, my mentals and just making sure that ment- mentally, uh, the lights again, everybody. The lights. Oh, oh my God! That, so uh, that mentally, I'm I'm just locked in and, and staying focused on the right things and staying positive with myself because I think that's going to go the longest way for me. So, do you do you meditate? Or is there anything outside of the court you're doing to work on the mental side of things? Not really, not specifically. I mean, I I, I pray a lot and I, I'm a religious guy and that type of stuff, but I don't. I wouldn't say I do any type of real meditation. I just try to try to remind myself throughout the day like just have fun with it and, and be confident in what you're doing really are you a reader like do you read um inspiration books you know i know that there's been a lot of basically a movement in sports to to read some of these mindset books and and self-help things like that john gordon is a, is a big author in that world i think there's another guy named dave anderson i think mm-hmm. who, who's written are you are you into that stuff I've read uh, Mr. Anderson's book, Intentional Mindset. That was good. I have a few, but I I find that I get really, really busy. So I try to like every now and again, maybe, but not not consistently. No. Got it. Uh, We heard that there were team like like individual meetings with the coaches as the season ended. Did you have a meeting with the coaches? Mm hmm. And how do how, what is I mean not asking you to divulge anything that was private, but what are those meetings like for us fans? What happens in those meetings? It, it was pretty simple. I mean, we just kind of sat down and talked about what happened last season, what we're what we're looking to do next season, and and just ways that we can get better. But I mean, it, it really wasn't anything crazy. Got it. Now, yeah. one of the things, Anthony, that's different about basketball now than even five years ago, but it's been your reality is the transfer portal where Mm -hmm. every year now it seems like the, it used to be year ended and you just assumed we're going to get the whole team back, except for maybe a guy who wants to go to the NBA. And now the season ends and it's like, who's coming back. And there's all this like back and forth about, is this person going to enter the transfer portal? How does that work? 
And even guys that are deciding to go into the transfer portal, some of them stay and work out with the team right up until the moment they decide, or they've already decided and they're still working out with the team. Is that weird at all that you are around this group of guys that some of them may decide to go elsewhere? And obviously some of your teammates, Rob and Christian and, you know, Michael and Parker have obviously decided to go to go elsewhere. Mm. Uh, is that a weird situation for you? No, not necessarily. No. I mean, we, we really had a really special bond this year. So like th them being around and, and still working out is, isn't that weird to me because like at the end of the day, all of us want to be successful. So I'm supporting them no matter what, but like th them, them having to make the rest of the best decision for them is, is just something that I have to respect. So I, I really, it's not, it's not that weird. No. Let's talk about how that bond was formed because one, you've got a new coach. New, new coaching regimes coming in. You have some guys leave. You got other guys transferring in. So it's a mix of old players, new players, old coaches, new coaches. How did how did that kind of start to gel as the season went along? You know, how did it start? How did it gel? And how did it get to the point where you felt a really tight bond with this whole team, as you just alluded to? Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely got an early start being able to to practice fully as a team throughout the summer since we got to play in the Bahamas. And I think the Bahamas was really special for us just to be able to get away and be in that type of environment to, to grow together. But then going throughout the season, like it, there's a lot of ups and downs. And whenever you're able to go through like the struggles we went through, we went some, we went through some, through some cold patches, but to be able to come through and prosper through that type of stuff and end up making the tournament and, and, you know, getting kind of high at the end of the year doing, decently well in the Big Ten tournament and then being able to, to play in the NCAA tournament. It's like being able to go from where we were to where we came from is something that that just kind of naturally forms a bond. So being able to to relate to all that stuff and it's something that we're all going to remember for a lifetime. All right, so let's go back to the beginning of this year. Let's go to the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite memory from the Bahamas? And don't give me the standard we got to pet a dolphin. I want something funny. Like what's happened behind the scenes? There had to have been something that like continued to be a thing that you made fun of somebody for throughout the year. Somebody had to have been a complete doofus in the Bahamas and you made fun of them for the year. Honestly, I really can't think of anything. I mean, like, I, cause I didn't, I didn't get to play in the Bahamas. So I was just kind right. of, it was, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was a fun trip still, but played some blackjack. No, uh, <laughs> no, watch some blackjack. All right. Watch some blackjack. Sorry. Watch some blackjack. No, it, it, honestly, I can't really think of anything out of the norm, but like it, it was a really fun trip and just a, a good way for us to really get to know each other. What was that though? Really frustrating for you? I mean, obviously I saw you down there and, and I could see some frustration, just you wish you could play. How, how hard was that for you to, to have to sit out, especially when I get the sense that you thought you were good to go and they were just being overly cautious, um, which I understand as well. But how, how difficult was that for you? Uh, it was difficult, but I think it, it was a, a little bit of a foreshadowing for me in terms of just being able to accept where I, where I was and still support the squad because I, I found myself doing that throughout the season, whether I was playing or not playing, to, to just be able to support as much as I could and, and help however I can. So it, it, was, it was tough to not be able to be out there and play with them, but I also still tried to be supportive and, and bring the best energy that I could. Well, 
you were incredibly successful at doing that throughout the season. And there was never a time they panned over to the bench or cut to the bench and you weren't front and center with a huge smile on your face, arms in the air, cheering on your teammates or greeting them coming into a timeout. How do you, how do you do that? You know, when you're, you're, you're Mr. Basketball from Bloomington, how do you, how do you get into that mindset where you are that into what other guys are doing on the floor? Yeah. I mean, just a, a little bit of perspective and, and just knowing where I've come from and, and what, uh, what it means to put that jersey on, honestly, I, whether I got to play, start a game, not start a game, play, you know, don't play, that type of deal was, it was, it was just knowing that I get to be in that position in the first place is something that was awesome. And at the end of the day, like, if I can support a win, then that's all that really matters. So that was kind of my mindset. And I know that I, I'm going to have a long career here, so I'm not in any type of hurry, you know, following my high school career. I started out not starting and then my role grew and grew and grew and I eventually became Mr. Basketball. So I, I kind of think back to that and just like if I continue to trust my process, eventually hopefully some success will come. But just throughout the way, just try to be a good role model because I know the kids are going to be looking up to me the way that I was looking up to people. So just try to be a great teammate and help us win no matter what, what way that is. Ward and I were fortunate enough to be at Woody's first game at Assembly Hall. And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't remember a lot about the game. I mean, I remember we won. I remember it not being that pretty. But the thing that does stick out in my mind, and anybody who's been to Assembly Hall uh, for a game probably knows that when the game ends, it's like many people just come down to the court and just hang out. Mm -hmm. And there were more than normal, I think, on that day because it was the first game. But the thing that sticks out in my head is after the game ended, the team meets in the locker room. And then here comes Anthony Leal getting shots up on Assembly Hall's court half an hour after the game is over, let's say, amidst a sea of people. Um, can you walk us through? I understand that that's like a ritual for you, that you always get shots up. But do you remember that game specifically? And that was a game you did not get to play in, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um I remember just being frustrated for you. I could, I don't, I don't know if I was just projecting that, but what was going through your head during that? Just got to keep getting better. Honestly, I mean, I, I didn't get to perform the way I, that I would have liked to. So just get out there and, and put in work and stay ready. Basically, just it's it's just kind of something that I do whenever whenever I'm frustrated or not feeling good. I just like to get shots up because it's pretty relaxing. So that was relaxing. <laughs> they were like I was videotaping you from six inches away with that, that. Like, were you able to zone everybody else out and just do your thing? Yeah. Wow. Mm. When um, you you had a great high school coach, you got recruited by Coach Miller to come to Indiana University, had a, a year under him. Um, and now Coach Woodson's your coach. Could you talk a little bit about what the transition was like and in terms of what you're learning from him, how you're growing under his tutelage um, in, in new, what's a unique way to coach Woodson you hadn't been exposed to with other coaches, AAU coaches, anything like that. What's really unique about Woody? Uh, he has a huge heart. I mean, he, he really genuinely loves each and every one of us. Like we're his son. And I think that that like, it, it's, it's incredibly noticeable just because like, you'll you'll mess up in practice and he'll get mad or, or like coach you up it's like as he likes to say I'm just teaching 
is, is his go-to. But And you'll think, like, he's mad at you, but five minutes later, it's like he doesn't even remember it happening. So he just is it's always encouraging. And, and yeah, the best way to put it is just that he has a huge heart and he just really wants us to all be successful. So, like, obviously, coming back here, he, he doesn't need the – the money or any type of thing that comes with this he literally just is here to win like he doesn't need anything besides winning so that's what he wants to do and he wants to see us all be a part of that do kenya and yah try to show that they can still play in practice oh yeah can either one of them yeah. still play coach yah likes to believe that he's still the best shooter in the gym and that he would beat us in the shooting competitions but he's never actually had the shooting competition but uh i mean yeah they, they both obviously they played in their careers so they they still like to, to 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 play and shoot around sometimes well let's not forget walsh too brian walsh was a, a former player and i believe he thinks he's a really good shooter uh did did you ever did you ever go toe-to-toe -to -toe with brian walsh on shooting contests i had i had one competition with him like one of the first workouts my freshman year we just we just got some shots up but it, it was nothing. It was nothing crazy. Who, who won? Who won? A uh, next question. <laughs> <laughs> that could either be like the either way. It could be like, oh, I, I don't want to get in trouble with my new coach. Right. Um, or or I got smoked by my coach. Right. Like that, right. It could be either one of those. And you don't want to look. Yeah. You're not going to let on. One. Media yeah. training. He's had I it. it. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you, though. We've talked to other former players for Indiana who had careers that were, when they look back at them, you know, up and down. They had stretches where they were really good and playing a lot and then stretches where they weren't. I mean, one of them that comes to mind is like Charlie Miller, who was a renowned player out of Florida, who a lot of people thought was like Calbert Cheney 2.0, which was not fair to him. But his career was up and down in performance and minutes played. And he, he talked to us a little bit about how difficult that was as a player when you don't know going into a game am I going to play at all am I going to play five minutes am I going to play 25 minutes you had a season that was a little bit of that um when you look at there were games you didn't play there were games you played a couple minutes in you know mop-up time and then there were games where you played 15 20 minutes and and so forth how difficult is it and was it for you this season uh to go through that not knowing Mm, it, it's hard to say because I, I I prepare for each game the same way, and I try to I try to you know master the scouting report and and be able to know what the other team's going to do, whether or not I'm in the game or not. So I, I I prepare the same way, and I'm always ready to play. I, I try to pride myself on that, just knowing just to try to give uh, Coach Woody the, just the idea that um, he can depend on me if he ends up putting me in the game. So. I, I try to prepare the same way no matter what. And, and it can be difficult not knowing whether you're going to play or not. But the, the way I just try to combat that is by being as prepared as I can. And if that means that I'm not playing, then I'm going to be on the sidelines yelling out what the other team's going to do or just try to help. So uh, another side story. Yep, the lights again. Another side story here because it will show you how immature I was and how mature you were. When I was in high school, I remember – the coach put me in in a game, varsity, senior year, in like mop-up time. Like he put me in, and then he took me out to put in a guy who was even further down the bench than I was. So I only got like three minutes in the game. And as I was walking by him, I said some bullshit to him. I said like, 
well, if you're not going to let me play during the game, at least let me play during scrub time. And then he benched me for like three straight games. I didn't play at all. And I ultimately went to him and we had like a one-on-one meeting because I really wanted to play like what's going on. And he was waiting for me to come to him and basically apologize. Um, When you're going through playing, not playing throughout this season, do you just accept that like coach is right, whatever coach wants, coach wants, or does frustration build and you go talk to them about what can I do to get on the court? Uh, Personally, I chose to just accept it because I, I don't. I I considered talking to him a, a few times, but at the end of the day, it's like that. To me, that's just selfish, especially if we're winning games. Like for me to come up to the coach and ask why I'm not playing while we're winning games, it's like that's just not the way that I want. I want to be, you know, seen. So I, I kind of just accepted it, and I figure like if it comes down to it, I'd rather be known as the guy that that didn't complain or didn't ask for anything, just worked as hard as he could. So that's that's just the way I'm approaching it, really. Yeah, like I, I said, mean, but, so much more mature than I mean. It's like it's just silly. It's just silly. we're not even from the same species. Not even, it's not even maturity. It's just goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but but I I have to I have to imagine part of it too is that you do have a lot of trust in Coach Woodson. Just hearing the reverence in which you you speak, uh, I would imagine that part of it is like he knows what's best for the team, for the program, even for you individually. And that um, you, that if you do what he's telling you to do day in and day out, then your time is coming. Exactly. And like I said, his only goal here is to win. So he, he's going to obviously, you know, he's he's new to the college coaching world, but he's he's learning just as much as we are. So I know that I have the same goals as him and that's just to win games here. So I know eventually if I just keep listening to him and, and building a culture here that it's going to turn into wins. Let's talk about Purdue. Let's talk about that game. You know, your 2000, your freshman year, um, you didn't get the college experience that I think you thought you were going to get because of the, the COVID situation and no fans. So this was your first year of fans um, in a major way. Talk to us about the experience of playing in that and being part of the team in that Purdue game. Yeah, it was unreal. Both of them were unreal, honestly. Like the the atmospheres were incredible. The energy was incredible. It was really competitive, and I mean, it's just that that's what you play for is to be able to to play in in, in gyms and in games like that. It's so much fun. Yeah. But now you having grown up going to so many games in Assembly Hall, mm-hmm. but to actually play in a game with that, with that volume, with that energy, that's something you'd been dreaming about your entire life. Purdue at home, mom and dad and half the town in the stands. How, how did it, how did it feel? It was nuts. It, it was really loud. I, I remember just even during warmups, it's like, wow, this is, this is unbelievable. Like the, the student section was basically full before we even started our warmup on the course. So it was, it was awesome. It really was. Could you smell the booze from the student section? Was it overpowering? <laughs> <laughs> That's a yes. Um, can you talk a little bit about, look, you've known Rob Finnessy for a while, obviously growing up in, in Indiana, playing high level high school basketball. Rob's a couple of years ahead of you, but Rob gave four years to Indiana university and has had his ups and downs both mm-hmm. on the court and from an injury standpoint that really forgive the pun here, but robbed him of a lot of his potential, I think. But that Purdue game, everything came together for one of your teammates and friends 
do you remember saying anything to Rob after the game or during the game? Or could you just tell something like give us something uh, about your interaction with Rob during that? Well, yeah, especially at the game here is like he, he started off when he subbed in. He started off really hot, got, got us a, a little bit of momentum. And then at the end of the game, I remember he had the, the first shot that he actually missed. And we ended up getting it back. And in the, in the timeout, he's like, coach, I got this. Like, I got this. And I, I mean, I honestly believe that we, we call him Big Shot Rob for a reason. And I knew, you know, especially after he had missed that first one, that I knew if he got the chance again, he was going to knock it down. And you are uh, waving wildly to keep the lights on. Is it a motion detector? Is that yeah. what we're dealing with? But yeah. you know what? It did remind me of something that I have wanted to ask you. It seems like it's the new thing in basketball that every team on the bench has some sort of choreographed motion or celebration, especially for a three-pointer going in. Mm-hmm. Walk us through, if you would, and if you wouldn't mind, give us the tutorial. What is what are the Indiana bench rules for a three-pointer going in? And is there a certain time when you use one or the other? Honestly, no. It, it, especially during the Big Ten tournament, it was just whatever came to mind. We just talked about it. You know, next one that they hit, we're going to do this or that. But uh, Coach Woody w- wasn't the biggest fan of, of all the celebrations, so we, <laughs> we had to tone him down a little bit. But What is your favorite, though? Forgetting Coach Woody for a second, what is your favorite three-point celebration from the bench? Uh, I'm not really sure, honestly, but I know, uh, like for, for dunks and stuff, we always do like some type of exercise or (laughs) jumping jacks or squats or something, which is always fun. Uh, You do. I have seen this, right? I think Ward was doing it. You pull the bow, you pull the bow. A little bow and arrow. Yeah. That's always a classic. (laughs) And is that, do you have the three fingers out for the three? Can Mm -hmm. you, can you do it for us so we can see the right form? It's just like this. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's that's good. Yeah. I like that. Let me tell you something. Not Iowa. Right. Right. Uh, Screw those guys. You mentioned something about Coach Woody building a culture. Um, So without, again, getting into necessarily specifics of what was said or what went on, that Northwestern game, which was like, you know, really needed that win. Um. What did that do in your mind to help build the culture of this program as Coach Woodson wants it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was definitely good for him to set a precedent and just kind of set the tone of, of you know, the, the standard around here and just try to get things going in the right direction. But ultimately, like, I think it helped our team in terms of, like, the guys who didn't play, understanding, like, we need them to win, obviously. So for them to, 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 to be able to see that and know that whenever they're not able to play, it's going to hurt us. So I think that that definitely helped us. And just the overall, just the setting the tone of that type of stuff and understanding that like we, we don't have much leeway for, for slippage and stuff like that. So just trying to stay locked in and focus on the main goal is I think it's something that he set the tone with, with that for sure. When something like that happens and, and clearly some of your teammates are, uh, they're suffering the consequences of it, you know, and being held accountable. Does that ever um, cause a, a difficult situation with the players that are, that were not in trouble that, that like, does it ever feel like it causes a situation where some players are like, you're letting us down. How, how do you avoid that part of it? 
Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not really sure, honestly, that that wasn't really something that I really considered because, you know, the, the turnaround of, of all the events, like we still had a game to win. So we were going out there to compete no matter what. Obviously, we ended up losing the game, unfortunately, but like the, the guys who weren't able to play understood that, you know, they needed to be able to play so for us to win. So uh, I think a lot of it was just unspoken. It was just kind of understood by by the whole situation. But at the end of the day, I think that it, it helped us grow as a squad. So I, I want to dovetail this, if you don't mind, Ward, because I think it goes part and parcel to the other thing that happens nowadays when anything like this happens is social media blows up. You're a guy who's on social media. You use social media really well. You put some good stuff out there. You've done some really fun videos on some NIL stuff. And I want to I want to get into the NIL of it at all as well. But I want to start with social media because it can be great and celebratory uh, and feel like we're all part of the same community when something amazing happens. And then when something bad happens, it feels like it could just rip us apart, social media. How much does social media impact you and, and your teammates? And do you see it as a positive overall or a negative overall? Uh, I, th I think NIL is a positive, but I, I'm not sure that I see social media as much of a positive, which I guess that's kind of contradictory, but like the, the NIL is awesome. It, it provides so much opportunity for us to totally be able to do great things in terms of like giving back and stuff like that. But social media can be a, a really toxic place and it's, it's tough. Like some of the messages that we get uh, in our, in our private messages or even just blatantly out front on Instagram or Twitter or whatnot. But I mean, wait, it, do you personally get private messages on Instagram or Twitter that are really negative to you personally, Anthony? Oh yeah. Like, yeah, everybody does. Yeah. But like, how, how is it just stupid stuff? Like you suck that kind of thing. Or does it get like scary? It can get scary sometimes, but I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, it's part of just, honestly, it's become part of something that we just have to expect, which, which is kind of messed up, but at the same time, you know, it's, yeah, it, it, it is what it is, I guess. Do you feel like there is enough guidance, training, support, whatever might be helpful to deal with the social media age coming from from Indiana University because I, there's academic advisors and tutors and stuff like that. Is there somebody really talking with you from a from a mental emotional health point on how to deal with social media? Yeah, we, we have all types of of people and and programs and stuff in place that can help us with that type of stuff. And at the end of the day, like we we all know that if there's something that we want to talk about, any one of our coaches would would gladly sit down and talk with us about whatever it is. So there's definitely a lot of stuff in place that's able to help us. But at the end of the day, you know, like it's sometimes it's, it's just tough to get on social media. So I think that's the downside of it. But at the same time, like as players, we we have to keep up with our social media to be able to do the NIL deal and stuff like that. It's like so it, it's it's a tough up and down there. Now, let's talk a little bit more about NIL. We got to work with you, obviously, at the Fan Fest that we did uh, last October, and we're going to do another one. So we're excited about that. And you seem to be one of the guys on the team that's most aggressive with, with doing this stuff and most thorough uh, on your social media posts. The stuff that you did with, is the company called 10 Marketing? Is that what it's called? Yeah, 1031. 1031 mm -hmm. Marketing, which are really funny. They're kind of old school sports center 
um, mm-hmm. uh, things. Uh, you know, you you did a lot of fun stuff on on that. What do you find that nil? And this is a little weird question for us to ask because we're obviously clearly involved in it very heavily, but. So many people that were against NIL was like, oh, this is going to be such a distraction for these players. They'll never be able to focus on basketball. Can you alleviate some people's concerns that you're able to 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 manage this stuff? Yeah, I think most of the people that that think the way that that you just mentioned are people that didn't necessarily grow up with it the way that we have. Like social media has been a part of our lives literally since we were kids like young young kids so we've as we've grown we've learned how to how to deal with it and balance it and that type of stuff and honestly like after a a four-hour practice like posting a 10-second ad on your instagram story doesn't distract you that much like in retrospect honestly so i think there it can definitely get distracting depending on the extent that you do it but for us like it takes 20 seconds for me to post an ad on my Twitter like that. It's not necessarily distracting me that much. So uh, I think it depends, but as long as, and I know that the guys on the team, especially have been really good about trying to stay balanced and, and knowing when to, when to post what and when to do what it, 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 yeah. As long as you're mindful of it, it's not that hard. You right. clearly have this entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. and you're getting your real estate license you keep up on your social media to help in part, certainly with NIL opportunities. I wonder when you're looking at the long game, you know, mm-hmm. basketball, not basketball, wherever that plays into your life as the years go by, um, where do you see something like what you're building now as an Indiana University basketball player on social media? How do you see that being valuable to you once you're 5, 10, 20 years out of being mm-hmm. an Indiana University basketball player. Yeah, that, that's one of the benefits of just being here is that you, you're growing and you're building relationships the whole time. You're getting a great education. For me, I'm actually majoring in entrepreneurship. So I'll have, I'll have that degree uh, this upcoming year. And then I'll either try to pursue a master's or try to get a couple other degrees. But at the end of the day, it's like, for me personally, with, with that type of background and, and some real estate knowledge, I just hope that it's going to set me up for success no matter what. And that's why I try to carry myself the way I do, do the things I do, because I'm hoping that, you know, if obviously I want to be able to play basketball in the future, but if that's not something that's in the cards and I want to just set myself up for success in, in a way that I can be able to give back to my family and all that type of stuff. Do you well, watch, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I just, on that, it seemed, you know, you can build the social media footprint so large over these four years that, that can there's probably very few businesses you might want to start or be a part of or help grow that 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 fan base if you will doesn't ultimately help with so for you even though oh there's the immediate returns of nil you're already looking at like man but this could help me you know flip a house 10 years from now because i'll have seven hundred thousand people within the state of indiana looking at what i'm putting out there exactly that's exactly right yeah uh do you watch the show shark tank i have yes it i used to when i was younger i would watch it a lot but then now i, I don't really have as much time to watch tv but i, I do definitely yeah do you I've, think that you could go on shark tank and pitch them something and have them buy it and if so what product would you pitch them that's the problem is coming up with the product <laughs> i definitely think that once i come up with the product i'd be able to to close that kind of deal especially i mean if 
if Mr. Cuban's sitting there, it's, I think that would play in my favor a little bit. But obviously, <laughs> if I can come up with some type of idea, I'm definitely confident that I'd be able to, to pitch it. I'm not sure how wide the application is for this product, but have you at all thought about a device that would have like robotic arms that would wave while you're doing a podcast to keep the lights on so you don't have to use your arms? Yeah, but I don't see that doesn't seem very awful. <laughs> That's one of those that Mark would say for those reasons. I'm out. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think you could really just get one of those inflatable guys at the used car lot. You could get one from <laughs> community cars and just put that in behind you. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Hey, um, let's get back onto the court. Yeah. Right? Because we we went through maybe arguably the darkest part of the season with Northwestern and that was a five-game losing skid. Um what what allowed you guys to get it going? just in the nick of time and i guess when i'm saying just in the nick of time i'm talking about halftime at the michigan game in the big 10 tournament yeah put us in that locker room what clicked uh honestly it's just it's a culmination of everything really i mean from from going to to losing five straight but also losing a bunch of games that we should have won we could have won we we lost in the i mean we we always mention it. it was like six of our eight losses at one point were losses where we were winning in the last three minutes. So it's just about closing and, and everything coming together. And I think that it did. And and that started with with our leadership from Trace and Race and, and X and guys like that and just stepping up their level of play. And and I always I always remind Trace almost every time out, like you you lead us. Like as you go, we will follow. That's that's the way it works when you're the best player. So I always try to just be in his ear, remind him that, stay positive, just like if he's playing as hard as he can, every single other person's gonna be playing as hard as I can. And it ended up giving us some momentum in Michigan and Illinois and Iowa up until unfortunately losing that one tough, but it was, it, it was good. And it was, it was nice to get rolling at the right time. The Michigan halftime though, mm -hmm. how intense was that locker room at halftime? Uh, it was, it was intense, but it was also calm just because like, we know, we know we can play better. We know like what we need to do. We understand it. And, uh, Obviously, coach comes in, gives us some adjustments, you know, gives gives some players some motivational encouragement. And, you know, everyone just rallies together because you know, if we lose that game, it could be our season. So just playing with desperation and, and playing the way that we know we can play. So you guys broke a lot of streaks this year. You broke the Purdue streak. You broke the Michigan streak. You broke the Illinois streak as well. And beating Illinois really solidified making the tournament at least we all thought that that's what it meant mm -hmm. did you guys have the confidence after beating illinois that you were in the tournament is that how it felt to you uh not necessarily i mean we we kind of approached it from the fact that okay we just we've won two games let's win two more like we might as well there's no there's no reason not to so that was kind of our mindset because we knew okay we've just won these two games if we can win two more we don't have to worry about it. We're going to get an automatic bid. So it, that, that was kind of the mindset and just knowing that, you know, if, if we keep winning, the, our, our chances increase. All right. Well, the, the end of the Big Ten tournament didn't play out exactly how we all wanted it to. And mm -hmm. so that brings us to Selection Sunday, where Ward and I were sitting basically touching each other, watching this play out, which was ridiculous. But I got very nervous when the name did not come up for the first several brackets. Uh, what was it like being with your teammates your first Selection Sunday 
that you kind of are expecting it, but there was a little bit of drama. Can you just put us in that room and, and what that was like and what you remember from that day? Uh, yeah, it, it was a great day. It was it was special because we were all very confident that we were going to be able to, to play in the tournament. And uh, as as it goes on, you know, it's it's tough to sit there and, and you know, just have to wait and wait and wait. But eventually hearing our name called was special. But at the same time, it came with a little grain of salt because we felt like we were better than to be in, in the first four games. So I think that Honestly, it was it was good for us because it lit a little more of a fire underneath us. And, you know, it's like we, we, we got something to play for now. So it, it was a fun. It was a, it was a great day and a good experience that hopefully we can just continue to build on. And then you, you get to go play in the NCAA tournament. Tell us about Dayton and what it was like to finally, you know, be be on the court, you know, with the candy stripes, the crowds filing in crazy mm-hmm. people like Eric flying in from across the country. Um, that's what you grew up watching. And, you know, for quite a few years, we've all been trying to get back there. How good did it finally, like, not just you as an individual um, now on the team that you grew up loving uh, in the NCAA tournament, but but to know, like, oh, Indiana University is back where it belongs in the tourney. How, how satisfying was that? It was satisfying. It was definitely a good start, but we obviously, like I said, we, we felt like we should be in a situation where we're not playing in the first four game, but it, it was a really fun experience. It, it was probably one of the most odd games that I've ever been a part of just in terms of like play styles and, and all that type of stuff. And in that situation, but the atmosphere was great. The experience was awesome. And it was just, it was, it was re- very good to give us a little taste of, of what we're trying to build here. So. I, I will echo the fact that it was odd. And I will also say just disgusting. I mean, the way that they played the game, just that guy backing down 25 dribbles on every possession. And like the refs are never going to call an offensive foul on him. They just let him do whatever he wants. That Mm -hmm. was a brutal way to play basketball, right? It was. It was it was an interesting contrast, but we we were able to get it done. and, And that's that's really what matters. So, Anthony, look, you're a student of the game. You work really hard at, like you said, scouting reports and and mastering the scouting report. I imagine you watch a lot of tape on on the opponents and and watch a lot of basketball. There is no doubt that something changed for our team when it comes to basketball play at the end of the year compared to a lot of the play during the year. It it just seemed more open at the end of the year. There was there were more alley oops to trace out of the half court. There there was just it was different from a basketball perspective. Did something change over the last I don't know eight, 10 games of the year, or even five games or, or an added wrinkle that got put in that, that made the team better. I don't know if it was necessarily anything from a basketball standpoint. I think just an overall confidence standpoint, like when, when guys are playing more confident and in their abilities and all the work that they've put in, it makes us better. I mean, X's X's growth throughout the year was, was honestly really inspiring just the way that his confidence grew and the way that he grew as a leader for us. And I think, it, it kind of started with him as as his play started to increase and in, in production and all that type of stuff. It, it made us better as a squad because when the point guard's playing at such a high level, guys have to follow. So, I and think how much that, of that was just X um, and the work with the coaches and in practices, getting that confidence in them? And how how much was it building chemistry with the team, like understanding without even necessarily having to say? what Trace is going to do or what somebody else on the floor is going to do. It just seems to me like that takes a while to cook up, right? 
Yeah, I mean, that that's that's what you work for all years to get that chemistry going. And that's one of the good things about being able to establish a culture, but that also becomes more complicated with the portal and that type of stuff. So uh, at the end of the day, that's what you're trying to build is the chemistry and, and that type of stuff between players to where, you know, everybody's clicking. And, and that's what makes, you know, teams be able to go on a run. You've talked a lot about the chemistry of the team, and we'll get to Portland here in a second. But but you, you've talked a lot about chemistry and how you guys – no, board doesn't want to talk no, about no, Portland. No, let's not talk about Portland. Um, but you've talked about how close the bond was with all you guys. See, my invention would be good right now. <laughs> what, about, um, what about community cars? Yeah, that's good too. Uh, it it kind of goes back to the social media thing where people use something bad to just go to the worst possible place that they can go. We've gotten to know Xavier over the last year or so, and we really mm-hmm. like him. I mean, we've, we've been vocal about that. I really like him. I think he's a good young man whose heart is in the right place. And I just like him. And, and from what I have seen from observing you guys, both on the court and off the court, he seems like a guy who fit in very well and everybody really likes him. And yet when something happens and he's going through something, and I'm not going to ask you to talk about those details at all, mm-hmm. but can you just talk about what your experience has been like with Xavier as a teammate and what you think of him? Yeah, I, I mean, I love him as a person and as a teammate. He he was a great teammate, and it's it's hard to be a point guard, especially at this school, but anywhere in general, just because you know the team goes as the point guard goes, and it's it's tough and it's demanding, and especially here when if you have a bad game, you're gonna you're gonna hear about it on social media. There's that's just the sad part of it, but you know, just being able to see him and, and follow him and his growth and that type of stuff, and just be able to compete with him has been awesome and I it, I mean he, he's a great point guard so I can't speak as I can't speak highly enough about him really love it yeah so you win the game against the worst playing style in the history of basketball outside of like Dr. Naismith's first five guys who played with a peach basket and then it's celebration time let's get our asses on that private plane and get to Portland and then let's just sit on the tarmac for a while and then let's get off and go to a different plane. Uh, what the hell was going through your guys' heads when all that was going on, when it was already so late at night? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it was all part of the experience, I guess. I mean, I, I joked with a couple of the coaches because they always talked about, like, uh, things are different and, and it's, it's, it's special once you get to the tournament. And I, I was joking with them, like, is this what you guys were like? This is what you meant. <laughs> that type of thing. But no, it was. What's happening there, Anthony? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You guys hear that? Or... Yeah. Geist is now speaking. That's oh. so good. It's so good. Um, well, so yeah, you're, so yeah, this is what they meant by special uh, getting on two different planes and having to dump band equipment because we don't think we can make it with the weight. Like that's when I just get off the plane. Right. If somebody tells me, listen, we think we're going to be okay, but we got to dump two tubas and a trombone. (laughs) I get off the plane and go, that's cutting it a little too close for me. Uh, It it was fun. I mean, we we were just coming off of win. Can you guys hear that? Yeah. A little bit. I mean, it's really loud. Uh, Sorry, but uh, what is going on there? I have no clue. I honestly have no idea. Nobody it's, else is here, so it is like they are sound torturing you. 
They might be. Yeah. They might be. But no, it was it was fun, and we all got to experience it together. I mean, being able to travel with the coaches, us, the cheerleaders, the band, all that type of stuff was was really special, and it was a good experience. Obviously, it wasn't the ideal travel situation, but it's it's a memory that we're gonna make, and uh, I mean, it was it was it was good to just be able to get the win. So, yeah. Well, we we had our own dilemma with travel. Uh, we got to Portland, okay. We even got to the arena, okay. In fact, we met up with your parents outside the arena, and we were having a good old time. We were all excited to be going inside and watching our Indiana Hoosiers play in the NCAA tournament, but they wouldn't let us in. Not for like an hour. <laughs> in the rain. In the rain. In the rain. I remember in warm-ups, I was looking around. I was like, I was like, surely we have more fans. Than this. <laughs> there, was, there was like literally like thirty people in the whole place. Yes, like, something's not right. Like where, where my, where's my family? We were, we were relatively, we were relatively close to the doors. So when they finally let us in, it was like you would have thought it was general admission because we all had to run in so quickly just to see tip off. So. It felt kind of like a bad omen to begin with. Um, but let's talk about the one really great thing that happened during the game. How great was that cheerleader getting the ball? That was awesome. That was really cool. It, it, was, it was smart by them. I mean, I, I wouldn't think of it. I was telling Tracy to jump up there, but, but no, that, that they, they got it done. It was, it was special to be able to see them and, and then get to enjoy all of the publicity and that type of stuff. So well, it was cool. Apparently, this has been something going around in cheerleading circles for decades. Like, like cheerleaders everywhere have been waiting for this moment to happen. So when it finally did, and it got to be two Hoosiers that did it, uh, it was legendary. It was, I, I literally, I don't know if you felt it on the bench, but at least where we were sitting there with, with the families, that this is it. Like, this is going to turn the game around. Did you feel that at all? And then were you super disappointed like we were? I mean, it, it was a special moment. Obviously, I was disappointed because it, it, that was in no way the way that we wanted the game to go. But I mean, it, it was a really, it was a special moment. And if that would have changed the the momentum or something, we would have ended up winning. I think that would have been insane. But obviously, we weren't able to get that done, which is which is unfortunate. Now, there's a new survey. You know, obviously, we've gotten into NIL. Mm -hmm. We're we're thinking about getting into matchmaking. And Cassidy Cerny, the cheerleader, is also a neuroscience major. She wants to perform neurosurgery on children for her career. Have you thought at all about proposing to her? I haven't. And that sounds incredibly complicated. <laughs> neuroscience. Yeah, no, that's. Yeah, I'm just saying, man, you've got some options over there. You may want to <laughs> just, you know, get to know the cheerleaders a little bit more is all I'm saying. Um so the season ends, it's disappointing, long flight back, and obviously um, some decisions are being made by various players. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go one by one, but I do want to talk about Christian because you're really close to Christian. You've mm -hmm. been really close to him since your high school days. You guys played on the same AAU program for a couple yep. years. And look, there's no doubt that a big part of the reason that Christian felt comfortable committing to Indiana was because of you and Trey and he had a, a built-in kind of network there. Mm -hmm. You're his buddy. How, how difficult is it when it's just not working out and, and he's got to go somewhere else so that he can be successful? Yeah, 
it's it's bittersweet to me because obviously like I, I love him and, and we're really close and we've we've played well together and that type of stuff. But I I mean he's incredibly talented, so I want him to be as successful as he can be and taking the journey that he's taken and with with skip like I can't imagine skipping my senior year of high school and, and having to come here and 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 do all that type of stuff at like the age of 17. That, that it, it honestly is incredible to to see what he was able to do and just be able to watch him grow as as a player and that type of stuff is is kind of why I'm excited for him to to find his next opportunity and be able to flourish because he he deserves it and his uh his journey hasn't been easy by any means but I think it's going to be worth it as he continues to find his way. All right, listen, you've been on Bloomington's campus for 2 years now as a player and a student. Now granted, you grew up in Bloomington, so we get that. But we need to get into your food choices in Bloomington. And I'm not talking about the healthy buffet that you get every morning provided for your soft athlete ass. But <laughs> um, is there a do you have a new restaurant in Bloomington that since becoming a student has become a staple for you? Mm, I think it just enhanced my love for Chipotle. Chipotle, um, really? Well, yeah, but I've been having that since high school. But now that I've got to college, I have Chipotle like four or five times a week. You know what? Now that you say that, I remember when Ward and I came and met with you guys about the fan fest, uh -huh. and they had like Chipotle buffet style, and mm. you were crushing those <laughs> trays, right? Like you, you and fill a plate. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it, but that that leads to debates with my teammates because some of them think Qdoba is better, so I have to deal with that. But Chipotle is definitely my go-to. Um, I we go to Nick's a lot, yeah, uh, Viva Mas, that type of stuff, which is a, a Mexican spot in town. But honestly, just that I I, I eat Chipotle a, a lot. Wow, how many home cooked meals do you get? let's say per month way too many <laughs> really like way too many i told my dad i was going to start trying to cook next year that was going to be my 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 next year goal but uh no they 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 spoil me and i think that it's 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 a blessing for sure because it it not only helps me save money but i get great home cooked meals like a lot <laughs> do your teammates try to like butter you up and get the invite well usually sometimes but for the most part it's it's just on the run so my mom or dad will drop off a little care package for me and i'll, nice. I'll just bring it up into my apartment yeah so it's it's mostly that type of deal but yeah it, it, it's definitely i i definitely take advantage of it <laughs> what's your favorite meal to get dropped off from home by one of your parents um they're they're probably listening, so choose wisely. No, honestly, everything that they make is good, but I like I, I'm a pretty basic eater, so I, I just a, a steak and a baked potato is is really good for me, and I I am not the type to really get tired of any type of food, so I could I could eat the same thing every day if I if I had to. So that type you, of that type of deal. Do you ever go to Zagreb's for a steak and baked potato? I do. I actually just went. Uh, I I went a couple times in the last month or so. Um, how good is it it's very good it's, it's very so good. good i'm not i'm not gonna go as far as to say it's the best steak place in town but what it's the best steak place in the country in the world what are you gonna say uptown malibu malibu oh. 
I mean, I, I, I have changed my opinion overall on Malibu and I actually like the restaurant, mm-hmm. but steak. Yeah. No, no, I, I don't know. But I did see something on Twitter the other day about like one restaurant that you could eat at. Uh, for every meal for the rest of your time in Bloomington. I think Uptown would definitely have to be the go-to. Oh, yes. Uptown for, that's a good call. Because the breakfast is so yeah. good. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, now, we don't know. We don't know what next season really looks like as far as players, right? We don't. We're, there's there's still uh, probably a few weeks to go before that's all sorted out. But when you are looking to next season for for the team. What do you guys need to do? Whoever's there with you to go to that next level. Let's let's say to be competing at the 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 top of the Big Ten. To tell me if that's fair. To be to be up at the very top level, competing with the best teams in the Big Ten for mm-hmm. a conference title, and to be threatening to run deep into the NCAA tournament. You're going to be in. You're going to get in. You've already done that, but like next level is like we'll get to the next weekend or two. So how mm-hmm. how are you guys making that next step next year? Yeah, well, it starts uh, for the guys that are returning at least just by remembering the way this that this last season went and growing from there, and and remembering the runs that we went on, the, the cold streaks that we went on, and growing from it, but also remembering how it ended and using that as a little bit of motivation, and then just kind of the culmination in, of the culture we're trying to establish just trying to be everyday guys and keep doing that every single day so that no matter how many transfers or freshmen come in, they're coming into a culture that we set and we choose to set that we, we know is going to give us success. So just to be everyday guys and leading by example and, and, and that type of deal so that, you know, no matter who comes through the doors is going to know what we're about and be a part of it to hopefully lead to success. You are, a natural leader. You have natural leadership qualities about you. It, it is so much of what everybody has loved about you, coaches, teachers, players, anybody, fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, next year, you're a junior, you know, your third year. I mean, I know you've got the COVID year, so technically uh-huh. you're whatever, whatever. Do you call yourself, do you call yourself right now a freshman? No, I call myself a sophomore, but then I'm going to recall myself a sophomore. <laughs> I don't want to be a freshman, but I also don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not ready to be junior yet. So we're going to stick with sophomore. Well, right. but that is my question because you are a junior, which means you're an upperclassman. You, this will be your third year at Indiana. Do you feel at all like your role from a behind the scenes standpoint is changing that you're no longer looking to people on how does this work, but now it's your job to look at the underclassmen and help them along their way. And are you kind of, I've always gotten the sense from you that you like that about, oh, yeah. you know, that you embrace that. Are you looking forward to kind of being a leader now on this team? Yeah, I, I'm excited because I, I got to learn from a lot of people my first two years. But I think now I'm, I'm in a position where I can start to set the tone and, and start to bring guys along with me through the way that I, I act or I work out or that type of stuff. So I think that now that I'm in that type of role, I'm, I'm really excited just because I feel like I feel like I know what it takes. And I know that if if I'm able to get guys to to buy into to what coach Woody wants to do and, and the way that I'd like to, this culture to be built that it, we can hopefully build some success. Uh, you're in a street fight. You get one person on your team to be with you. It's an ugly street fight against multiple people. It's you and one other player on your team. Who do you got? Uh, I'm going to take Trey. Yeah, because he's a little crazy, right? 
He's just a little crazy for sure. He'll bite somebody. Like he'll bite somebody's shoulder. If he had to, he would definitely bite somebody for sure. <laughs> okay. You're going, you're going to the laugh that is factory. That's a great line though, Ward. If he had to, he would definitely bite somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe the answer is you to this question then, Anthony. Uh, you're going to the Laugh Factory, the comedy store here in, in Los Angeles, and you can see one of your teammates as the headliner doing a comedy routine. Is it you or is it somebody else? I don't have to probably say Miller. Nice. Miller yep. is a, Miller is one funny dude. I'll tell you what. That he dude, really is. Those yeah. videos that he's done with you guys are great. Yeah. They're great. No, but he he's 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 very funny. It's like a goofy funny, but it's really funny. Does everybody on the team appreciate that sense of humor? Yeah. I <laughs> I, I do think so. It, it started out where guys were like, we got some weirdos, but now it's like it's like <laughs> It's like everybody's comfortable enough to where you can you can be a little bit weird or you can say some type of joke and, and everyone's going to find the find the humor in it. You, you know that feeling of that you just ex- described where at the beginning people are like, wow, we got some weirdos. That <laughs> is exactly what happens when Ward and I meet people. The problem is it never evolves from that. It they just never stays get, they zone. never get comfortable with it. <laughs> they never get comfortable with it. And they never see the humor in it. It's just always now they're just more annoying weirdos. Well, that's on them. That's their loss. That's right. Anthony, you know how much we love you, man. We love your family. Got to spend a little time with your sister as well. Uh, I saw her on the road. That mm-hmm. was fun. Um, we love hanging out with your parents. We know how much pride they have in you and how you represent Indiana. And you you give us so much pride, the way you carry yourself, your work ethic, the way you represent yourself everywhere, on social media, in the videos that you do, on these interviews. And like Ward said, whether it's on the court busting your ass, diving after a ball, taking a charge, doing whatever you have to do, hitting a three, to on the bench supporting your team, you are everything that we want in an Indiana basketball player. And it just, it fills us with pride that you don the candy stripes and will continue to for your rehash of your sophomore year. And then a couple more after that. Yes, exactly. I figure I might as well. Well, thank you first of all, but I figure I might as well be a sophomore as long as I can. So I can hear the, the little sophomore. Oh I, yeah. Yeah. So, that's good. So that, that's smart. That's yeah. Smart. Um, all right, buddy. Man. We're going to be rooting for me from afar, but hopefully in person a few times too next year, no doubt. So we're sure. looking forward to that and have a great spring and summer, man. Oh, wait, wait, so sorry. Got to ask what? one. Sorry. We got to do one more substantive thing. Brian Walsh promoted to assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I meant to ask this before. Give us the player's take on what Brian Walsh has been to you for the first two years and, and what you think about him now as a full-time assistant. Yeah, I mean, it, the dude's so deserving of it. He works as hard as he can. He he's great at what he does. He loves what he does, and he's been fully invested in it. So I'm I'm really happy for him and his family, especially with his new daughter being born, that type of stuff. But it it's definitely special. And I'm I'm excited for him to to have his role increase and be able to do more with us. And I think that he he has the right mindset in terms of what we want to build as a culture. So I I think it's just it, it's great, and hopefully it'll pay off. Amen. There you go. I mean, my God, Brian Walsh should pay you for that little plug right there. Uh, Anthony, we love you, man. You be good. Have a good rest of the uh, your your first sophomore year. 
Hope it ends successfully academically. Hope you get that real estate license. And by the way, if you get it, I am interested in buying property in Bloomington. I would buy it from you. I'll keep that in mind. There you go. First sale. Wait. There we go. Do we have to wait till he graduates? Is that some sort of violation? Did you even just saying that? Is that an issue? That is my history with Anthony as we walk <laughs> right up to the line of violations. Do you remember that, by the way? The first time I talked to you was like at the fantasy camp before you had, like oh, you yeah. had committed, but you hadn't signed. Yeah. And I'm doing this Twitter video, like with an unsigned commitment, like, and everybody's like, maybe that's not the best idea to put that out there. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah I do remember good. that though. Yeah. <laughs> All, All right, buddy. Tell your folks we said hi, yeah? Absolutely. Thank you. Take care, man. Yes, sir. See you guys. That was a guest. That was a guest. Don't you want Porter to grow up to be that? Yes. Yes, obviously Porter doesn't have the genetic gifts. Well, uh, that... I'm talking more just about who he is as a young man. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's getting his real estate license. Yeah. No, I feel like Porter would have a lot better chance at that if if he had Anthony's parents. Well, I, it, it does beg the question, should both of us send our sons to Anthony Leal's parents for a couple Leal of years? household for a proper raising? Yeah. Uh, it might do him some good. Yeah, he, uh, he is. He is Mr. Basketball. He is, um, you know, the kid from Bloomington that – he says all the right things, not because he's he's been trained or he's savvy to say all the right things. It's because who he is is all the right things. I totally agree. He just it just oozes out of him. He's got such maturity, and he's also got like an um, an innocent fun to him that you can see when he smiles, even just waving his arms to get the lights to come on. There, there is this like giddy fun side of him. But hearing him talk about Ward. That like it, he didn't want to be the guy to go complain to a coach or ask a coach, why should you be playing me? Because he's like, we're, we're going to win games without me. Like, it's just a selfish move for me to demand my minutes. He's just got a level of maturity and perspective that is so rare, not just among young people, among any, amongst anyone, that kind of maturity, whether you're at your office and you think you deserve a raise, like he's just so confident in who he is and and comfortable in his own skin that he does not seem to get worked up by external factors that 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 the rest of us i think would fall prey to yeah i mean you're mr basketball and you're a heroic in your own hometown and then you get to go to the the hometown iconic program and to not just automatically because of of your your own ego or maybe what people have been telling you for however many years um assuming okay well this is like this is my program now and I should be getting this many minutes you know this year and this many more the next year and just that there's some sort of right to that um that's certainly what how I would think <laughs> that that would certainly yeah. be my approach oh yeah but, you know again who he is how he was raised it's just uh, such an example. And well, and that's it, right? He's even conscientious of being an example to to young people, you know, in the community, fans of Indiana University, that 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 is more of a priority to him than than getting his. It's extraordinary. It's really special. And it's and it doesn't 
uh, just benefit him and anybody around him as he goes through his life, but it benefits this program and what Mike Woodson's trying to build as as he spoke spoke to. And and I think that that him articulating that is why. And I don't want to go down the rabbit hole here, but it is why getting Indiana kids when they're good enough to play for you matters because he has such a greater understanding, respect, reverence for wearing that Jersey because of where he comes from that I don't fault people from out of state, not, not knowing that, not getting it, but it means something a little bit more when you grew up revering it and, and understanding what it was and knowing the history of it. And that, makes you take some extra shots that makes you come out after a game where you didn't play or get a chance to play and put up shots that that pride I do believe pays dividends on the court and and just him being on the team pays dividends on the court even if he's not the one shooting the basket and passing the ball 100 percent, 100 percent. well love Anthony love talking to the current dudes Let's do it again sometime soon. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I, but the sometimes. Sometimes. Why? why? Ooh, that was a weird one. That was a weird cadence. I screwed up the cadence. Yeah, but I I rolled with it on my end. But from what I heard, I did it and then you did it. We were never overlapping. Oh, oh, really? Not, Not at all on my side. Yeah, we're good. Don't worry. It worked out. All right. Well, thanks to Community Cars. We'll have some big announcements coming up soon, and you and I are heading back to Bloomington soon. We can't stay away. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier 